Hey, podcast listeners. It is. Yola. <laughs> hey, Skylar. Hello. Uh, Ben's not here with us today for the intro. Saturdays off in Wisconsin doing dumb stuff. I don't know. Bass things. Working on his <laughs> bass. Right. This string instrument. <laughs> if that's what you want to call a wedding, then yes. Oh, yeah. He's playing at a wedding? I think he's just attending. Oh, okay. I thought he was at. Re- I thought I saw a post where he was doing a rehearsal, or something. It's he, he, possible. Okay, we should we should we should get we should talk to him more. <laughs> right. Uh, but today is season five, episode four. Red slash losers or red losers. Retired Whatever and, you may prefer. Retired and extremely dangerous losers. So it's a bit of a mashup episode. <laughs> we decided to do both R E D. And the losers today, uh, because they were very similar uh, books and movies, quite, and they came out in the same year. So uh, it just they came uh, out in the same year. They did. Oh, I thought losers came out a little bit earlier. Losers came out in April. Red came out in October. Oh, okay. So cool, cool, cool. Um, we're doing this new thing on our Twitter. We're gonna have if you send us uh, the best way to send us messages is through our Twitter at superhero mc. And if you ever want to contact us, that's the best way. You can do it through the Facebook. That's, uh, but I think we have we have more people updating and being around the Twitter than we are around the Facebook. So just we are doing this thing now where you can send us a custom sign off, whatever you want us to say, uh, whether it's a shout out or something, and we'll read them at the end of every episode with your name, whatever you want to do, man, and you send them to us. We'll read them. And it's going to be hopefully this fun thing that a lot of people will hopefully will get a line of them. And we can just – we just want to get you guys, you fans, more involved is really what it is. We just want we just want to have more connections with you because right now I feel like I'm just talking into your ear holes and I'm not I'm not connecting with you. I want a to, podcast talking into your ear holes? What? I just want to – I just want to feel you. Good. I want to feel my fans. Yeah, that's what – maybe that's why they're not connecting. They're just – just a little creeped. Stop it, Skylar. I'm yeah. a fully sane human being. At least my mother thinks so. All <laughs> right. That's all we got for you today, uh, except for this episode. So here it is. Enjoy. Enjoy. the studio again <laughs> welcome to another episode of the superhero movie club i'm your comic book cultured host michael mauer joined by the movie maestro james skyler Hotsma, and the scientific scholar ben anderson movie review podcasts are a dime a dozen here at shmc we like to call ourselves a movie discussion podcast we cover everything else about the movies you maybe didn't notice including their budgets music source books and hell even the science this week i hope you're ready for Red, and also losers. 
The Losers. The Losers. Yes. Damn it. Oh, I messed that up. I'm real sorry, guys. <laughs> yes. You're fine. All right. First, we're going to, this is a, a double up, a double feature podcast. Woo. First Ooh. time we've done one of these. Uh, we're going to talk about Red first, and then we're going to talk about Losers on each point and topic of our sections. So just be aware of that. So first off, first opinions on Red. Skyler. Red is verging on decent. Uh, I feel like the cast had a lot of fun making it. Whether that translated to the movie being a lot of fun, hit and miss kind of. Uh, It did have some generally funny moments, but it's also a movie you're probably not going to remember after about a day. Skyler, you're absolutely right. I did not. Re- I watched this yesterday, and I don't remember anything about it today. Um, no, I thought it was bad when I when I started watching it yesterday while I was cooking. Uh, quesad- no, not quesadillas. <laughs> the other ones, enchiladas. Okay. Um, I I was like, okay, it's an action comedy starring Bruce Willis and Morgan Freeman, and I thought it was Lucky Number Eleven, <laughs> which is a great movie. And then I was really disappointed when it wasn't. When it was just a different movie? When it was a different movie entirely. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I had a lot of fun with Red. I mean, is it going to win any awards? Probably not. But is it like a good, what is it, hour and 40 minutes? About that. Yeah. I think it's a f- entertaining enough. Carl Urban is one of my idols. And I think he just rocks it in this film, as in almost every film he's in. I absolutely love Carl Urban in this movie. The like I said, you you nailed it on the head. I think the cast had a lot of fun, but at the same time, like, did it make it like a an, a, an outstanding thing? Because it had an all star cast. Ernest B- Borgine is that Borgnine? Yeah, Ernest Borgnine was in this film. Marty <laughs> from way back in the fifties, and he's like, I'm old, so I guess I should be in retired and extremely dangerous. I've just been living in this safe for God knows how long. <laughs> yeah, what's the last time that guy's been in a movie? <laughs> He's dead now. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, damn. <laughs> if that answers your question. <laughs> oh, I feel bad. <laughs> I made myself sad. But speaking of uh, other action comedy films that are very similar to Red, uh, we're also doing The Losers. So, Skyward, tell me about what you thought of The Losers. I can remember seeing The Losers back when I was like 18 and thinking it was really cool. And then watching it since, and it's like, oh my god, this is so forced. Everything about this movie is just trying to be too cool for school, but it's <laughs> it's just not. It's it's kind of boring. <laughs> so that, when yeah, it was kind of bad. I was watching it while I was finishing up my enchiladas, and when I saw that the first joke was about bum sex. And also bestiality. I don't remember that. <laughs> it's like the first line. Oh, the... It's like the, the first line. The, the shadow dinosaurs? Puppets, yeah. The shadow puppets? Yeah, I was okay. like, okay, it's 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 red, but with, like, way grosser. Oh, it's not even... I, I, wasn't I don't know. I heard on that level. I was like, okay, well, this is the type of humor that we can expect to see in this movie. This is the type of movie I can expect it to be. And I did not have high expectations, and they were somehow not met. Oh, okay. Is what I, I'm saying. Well, when I first saw Losers, I kind of agreed with, like, man, the the villain is kind of lame, the special effects are not the greatest, and, oh boy, is Zoe Saldana and Jeffrey Dean Morgan's relationship just borderline creepy. Uh, just because they just have, maybe they're not actually that age different, but they just look 
so tremendously age different that it doesn't seem to fit. And it didn't. there were not a lot of moments where the chemistry really clicked. But watching it a second time, I was like, wow. The, uh, the moments where it's just the losers, like the team, interacting with each other are pretty on the spot. Like there is no missing chemistry, I think, between their actual interactions. Um, everybody, all the all the guys get along well, and even and of course when they're act- interacting with Aisha as well, Zoe Saldana's character, and of course Chris Evans as Jensen was phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal. But let's talk about money. Money. Give me the, money on red. The only important thing when it comes to these movies. No. Uh, okay. So if we're just focusing on red, red was made on a pretty modest budget of fifty eight million dollars. So that's not even like. That's barely blockbuster money, mm-hmm. and most of it probably went towards the cast, in okay. all honesty. Uh, domestic gross, what it brought back in the U.S., $90.3 million, that's So very that's, solid. That's pretty good. I think, believe it opened against Jackass 3D in October of 2010, so okay. not a whole lot of competition in the same mm-hmm. area. Foreign gross, $108.6 million for a grand total of just under $200. Million dollars, so one ninety nine million. It's really solid. Yeah, made back its budget and more. Mm-hmm. And it, you know, enough to warrant a sequel, which it did get. True. Yeah, moderate success. Do uh, leads to you know, moderate something or other going <laughs> forward. <laughs> uh, well, it had a lot of star power going for it, um, and a really just rocking premise. Honestly, old guys as action stars. I mean, what what baby boober doesn't want to live vicariously through that? Yeah, ask the Expendables how that worked out for him. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Expendables one was good though, right? I've never seen any of them. Not that they were good, but that they made money. Oh, all of them made money. Oh no, yeah. three didn't. Three didn't because people were wise to it. By so the way. it it works twice. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. Okay, um, but with the losers, you had an half the budget of Red. Yeah, losers was made for an even more paltry budget of 25 million definitely not going towards the cast um domestic gross was 23.5 million so just under its uh its production budget foreign gross was kind of embarrassing at 5.5 million wow for very minuscule i can't help but feel like you know this opened a couple of weeks before iron man 2 it opened right next to a team no, it, it was closer to Iron Man 2 than A-Team. I mean, they're But, but in similarity. Oh, in similarity. Yeah, like there's... A-Team is a hodgepodge comedy action film that has way more name recognition than The Losers does. Right. I think A-Team kind of chipped away The Losers' legacy as far as how it's viewed. But as far as money, Losers was out of theaters before A-Team even was thinking about opening. So Okay. Anyway, worldwide gross for The Losers is $29 million. So... I guess it made its budget back. Yeah, and this yeah. is well. I mean, it's getting stars on a budget because this is before like Idris Elba exploded and Chris Evans exploded, and I mean Zoe Saldana a bit. Oh yeah, she had Avatar before this, so this was like a step down. Oh yeah, I mean Jeffrey Dean Morgan's a television star, pretty much essentially, and so and then I don't remember any other actors, uh, but. I just remember being like, wow, they got a superstar cast that is now really famous, but was not that famous when this movie came out. True. They had good foresight, except in the regard of the movie. <laughs> All right. Well, when, let's talk about 
story deviation, or its comic book origins, starting with Red. Red was a three-issue miniseries uh, published by Homa, uh, Homage Comics. Homage. Homage. You messed that one up real bad. My bad. Homage Comics. Homage. The H is silent. Oh, homage. Try it again. Homage. Homage. Homage Comics. Uh, well, that's a an imprint of Wildstorm. And I think at the time, Wildstorm was bought out by DC. So it's an imprint of an imprint of DC. <laughs> and I said it was in 2003, written by Warren Ellis and drawn by Cully Hamner. And it was only three issues long. Um, it starred just a very short story about a ex-CIA agent who is being tracked down by the new head of the CIA because... The head of the CIA is being debriefed and sees that, whoa, this guy, Paul Moses, has been around. He's called Paul, not Frank in the comic book. Is He's been around. Look at all this crap he's done. If any of this gets out, the CIA is completely compromised. we got to kill him. And so Paul Moses is like, no, I don't want to die. And he leads a bloody trail all the way to the CIA's door and gets to the CIA and kind of kills everyone. <laughs> And it's it's very short. It's very sweet. It's one man against all odds. It's not really dealing with the troubles of retiring and adapting to a retired life like the movie does because the movie further, way further expands. There is no supporting cast in the book. It's just Paul. And there's no real love interest. The villain is still the CIA. I mean, both movies dealt with CIA conspiracies pretty much. Uh, but really, that's all to say about Red. Um, if you want to go ahead and read it, it's a three short issues. It's a nice, quick read. I know um, Coley Hamner's art is wonderful and sets a beautiful tone through. It's much more violent than the film because you know when you when you create a film, it has to be less violent and more action comedy in order to appeal to a wider audience. So if you want something that's a bit more grittier, but the subject of of red, comic books right there for you. And then next up, losers now. I just got Losers like yesterday, and it had 32 issues, and I read them all really, really fast so that I could be prepped for this. Excuse me if I start saying things that happened in the comic book thinking that they happened in the movie, because everything's a little bit of a mess right now, because they did take a lot of elements from the book and put it in the film. But first of all, uh, Losers was made in 2003, published by Vertigo Comics, which is an imprint of DC Comics. Pretty much every three issues of that book could just be its own action f- film. I think the film pretty much took the storyline from like the first six issues, and there were 20 or so more to go. In, it deals where, as in the film, it dealed a lot with the Colombian drug trade. In, in the book, it is way closer to 9-11 and the war in the Middle East, and its subject matter reflects that a lot. A lot of the times, they are fighting a conspiracy against the CIA— and it deals a lot with CIA conspiracy of taking drugs from different countries and exporting them and selling them in other countries in order to fund special ops operations. And the losers are like, they were a, a, a subject, a victim of that. And there's this entity called Max who's like supposed to it's, – it's, it's a mess. Max is tremendously more complicated in the book than he is in the movie. In the movie, he's just some megalomaniac who wants to capitalize war and terrorism, right? Yeah. Yeah, kind of like a lot of... Never heard of that before. <laughs> in the book, he, he he touches on that, but it goes deeper into the the why. Cause, and then you, you kind of get a grasp, like, I can see it, Max, 
Can I support it? No. But I can see it. There are no snooks in the book. The sound nuclear devices that they used in the movie. Stupid nuclear devices. Yeah. (laughs) Also, that's a really dumb name for a a, There's so many better names. WMD. Yeah. A snook. Snook. I can't get the South Park episode out of my head. The the snooch? Hillary Clinton and the snooks. (laughs) The snook smelling pig or something like that. That was it. Yeah. Dang it. (laughs) That's what I get for not watching South Park. Go check out that South Park reference if you want snook to forever be funny. (laughs) Yeah. But really, it is a very entertaining book. I know it was nominated for an Eisner back in 2003 as Best New Series. I had a lot of fun reading it. It is very much an action thriller. But there is, in comparison, so much more comedy in the film and so much less comedy in the movie. And I think that deals a lot less with... Less comedy in the movie? That's oh, In the books. Yes, in yes, the books. Okay, okay, thank sorry. you. Sorry. I'm a mess today. <laughs> And I think that deals with recognizing the talent that Chris Evans has for comedy. Because him as Jensen was amazing. Jensen, as a character, is comedic in the book. And a lot of the times he's the Joker that can't be taken ser- seriously. But, I, you know, sometimes when I'm reading a comic book, I'll have a laugh-out-loud moment. This time, not so much. But in the movie, watching it again, is the, the very final scene of the film with the soccer game is mid credit scene gold. It's absolutely priceless. I mean, that was probably the best part of the film. And I laugh every time. I've seen it probably four times, and I laugh every time. I think it's just so funny the way a grown man can get upset about a soccer game. The Petunias versus the Cougars? Do you remember what they were called? I don't remember. (laughs) But anyway, that is comics. So, Skylar, give me some music on Red and Losers. Music! Okay, we got two uh, action comedy spy movies, and we've got two action spy comedy scores that sound... Pretty much alike. We're starting things off with Red, music done by Christoph Beck. You haven't heard his name on this podcast yet, but you will because he's doing the upcoming Ant-Man. But this is his first entry here. First track is Rotating Enforcement Device. So let's take a listen there to see what uh, Christoph Beck was trying to go for. That catches a tone. I think when I hear it, I, I instantly think like Spy Caper. It's it's catchy. I think you can hear some of those classic, uh, you know, kind of spy sounds like the bongos there for a little short section, and then you bring the guitars in. It's very traditional, but it's also pretty light in the way that the movie was trying to go for. Also, uh, another element that's pretty firmly tongue in cheek. Mentioned that, that that last track was rotating enforcement device. This next one is. Rockets eagerly dispatched. Do Can we you see a pattern? Do we see the pattern is, here? Does every track form yes. an acronym? It does. Wow. Are all the acronyms red? They are. Whoa. Like, that's almost as impressive as, like, writing a film score in the first place. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like, if you can get your tracks to all be red, 
that's pretty bitchin'. <laughs> so what's the next song? Rockets eagerly dispatched. Cue it up. <laughs> Okay, so when I first read that uh, Christoph Beck was going to be doing Ant-Man coming up, I was like, okay, I don't really know what he's done. But seeing how Ant-Man's supposed to be a supposed heist film, I'm a little more convinced now listening to these two. A bit more of a techno thriller? Yeah, a little bit. I think you can get the job done. This is some fun stuff. Okay, when I was pulling up, okay, there was moments where I was pulling up these clips for you. I was watching the Red movie at the same time, and the clips just started automatically playing, and like every song fit in in every scene of the movie that I was pulling up. It was amazing because I didn't realize that like the song was playing, and then I, I was like, "Oh, the song's playing," and I stop it. There was no music at that moment in the film, but there could have been, and it would have worked. <laughs> I don't know if that's a benefit of the movie or the music, but it's just—I don't know—it just fit in like a puzzle every time. Just nice. beautiful every song. Just do. You, no matter what, you could have that doom, 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 and it fit with every scene they were doing. Everything was like a transition. I mean, because the tone of the movie never ever changed. No, True. it's a all. good and a bad thing. I think might be bad, <laughs> but I mean, it's the, like, the the music fits really well. It's funky. It's fun. It's not like the tone was bad throughout. Right. It was. Good it was tone. just the same. Yeah. You know, it was like a it was like a loaf of white bread. I love white bread. Mm-hmm. White bread's pretty good. It also tastes the same all the way through. But I will eat a whole loaf. <laughs> it won't be my fa- it won't be my favorite thing. But I will eat like a foot long piece of bread. <laughs> what? Oh, I connect with that at a very deep level. Then, yeah. oh, <laughs> I really want to go to Jimmy John's now and just buy a day old bread for a dollar ninety nine. They're like fifty cents. Oh, I'm thinking of Panera. You can get like a like a it's good a baguette like. <laughs> I'm holding up my arms. You can't really see um, if you're listening, but it's it's about this long, in, and that's one ninety nine. So music of the lo- of in the other losers. corner, we have the music of the losers, done by John Ottman, previously talked about on this podcast for his score for X Men: Days of Future Past, and will also be talked about coming up. Honestly, I, I forgot he had did. I forgot he had did this movie. I thought it was you know just some kind of. Bargain composer. They some guy with one name, pretty much. <laughs> Pitoff. Oh, Pitoff. Oh, Pitoff. We'll get to you, Pitoff. Oh, Pitoff. You've got a day of reckoning. Your day is coming. Anyway, John Ottman does music for the losers, and it is surprisingly similar in how they approached it. You know that old-fashioned spy sound, probably a little more heavy on guitars, I would say, and that kind of rock sound than maybe Red was, but also worth note. A lot more difficult to find tracks of. Oh my gosh, it was unreal. I could not find anything. This movie's music is pretty... Much like this movie, (laughs) its music has been buried. But let's, let's unearth what we found in the track. Well, The Losers.
Uh, it's been pointed out to me that part of the track we used is, quote unquote, the exact same beginning as the cl- the track First Class from the X-Men First Class soundtrack. Michael's words, not mine. <laughs> I, okay. Either go to YouTube. They're pretty and look similar. It up. They, they're, they're very yeah, similar. I did notice the similarity, yeah. And, or go to preferably our podcast episode and listen to our analysis yes. of John Altman's score in X-Men First Class. Uh, plug within a cop. Oh, and, it's the same dude. That's why. Okay. Yeah, no, no, no. The, Henry Jackman. Oh, really? It's not the same guy. It's not. Oh, oh wow. But they had very... That's like oh, such a similar sound. That's like how Sam Smith sounds like Tom Petty in that one song. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Except without the lawsuit. What? Oh, what song? Uh, I Won't Back Down. Okay. And um, 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 stay with me. You pitch shift him. You, yeah, you, it's like the exact same. If I were to differentiate between Red and Losers, Red... Fun, jaunty spy music that can fit anywhere in the movie. Losers from just that clip, a little more California, sun-baked, spy, whatever. If we had more clips, we'd play another one because there are more upbeat songs that that extend a lot more on that electric guitar. True. And where I think Red uses a lot more bass guitar. It's a lot more funky. Mm -hmm. True. Mm -hmm. So that's music. Who's that ready is... for some science? Me. Mm. How you okay, doing there, fine. <laughs> I'm. I bike to work today. I know my calves hurt, but yeah, I'm good. <laughs> well, good. I also had to bike back. That was a drag. <laughs> so Ben, let's talk about some uh, science in red. Okay. Let's talk about the uh, the simple things, such as when John Malkovich is standing off with a lady with a bazooka. Yep. An RPG. Sorry, I don't. Are they the same thing? I don't know. I think I think like RPG is like the generic, and then Bazooka is the brand. Okay, so she's you know, got it's like, this. It's like she's got a rocket launcher. Okay, yeah. And she shoots a rocket at John Malkovich, and John pulls out his giant gun and shoots a bullet that collides with the rocket and sends all of the explosive force back towards. Yep. The rocket launcher lady. Mm-hmm. What's the deal, yo? Um, Where does explosive force go if a bullet hits it? So, aside from the shockingly low chance of the bullet actually hitting directly on the end of the nose instead of just, like, the side and then glancing off or something, I'm pretty sure the way that a lot of RPGs work is they hit a thing and then the force of that contact, like, there's pressure and then it has a thing that senses that and then it blows up. So, I don't know how much you know, force a bullet would deliver to it, but I feel like it's not enough, but I haven't run the numbers because I'm lazy and <laughs> I honestly, those those enchiladas were so dope. Um, <laughs> I just wanted to, I just wanted to eat those and then fall asleep. Uh, where was I going with this? Oh, so uh, maybe. Maybe? Probably not. Probably not. Honestly, probably not. Well, wouldn't explosive, I mean, I feel as if an RPG's explosion would, would reach around a bullet. Yeah. And would not just go all backwards. Right. Unless, like, because the air is hotter behind it because it's been shot forward, the air is less dense behind it, and so it would go more backwards than forwards, but it would not just all go back. And also, if you're you're designing an explosive and you're like, okay, when this explodes, we want it to go not backwards because that's where the shooter is. (laughs) So if it malfunctions and blows up before it reaches its target, then... It's just going to blow up whoever shot it. Mm-hmm. You know, you want it to go... Away. Away. You know, you want it to go towards your target so you can destroy it more. 
Okay. So, yeah, no. <laughs> Debunked. Uh, let's talk about next, bullets on a frying pan. This was, yes. Brute Willis used in the... Brute one of Willis. Brute Willis. Brute Willis. <laughs> used in Brute one Willis. of the opening scenes. Um. He put a bunch of bullets on a frying pan as a delayed trap to have bullets go off all over his house to signify mm-hmm. that people were shooting him. Yep. So I actually looked this up. Uh, the flashpoint of gunpowder, which is the temperature at which it will just ignite spontaneously. That is like 800-some degrees, 850, somewhere around there, degrees Fahrenheit. Okay. If they're going to go off, they're going to need to be at least that hot. However, I like to imagine that he was frying it in olive oil because (laughs) I was cooking enchiladas and I was using a lot of olive oil because we didn't have any vegetable oil that I could find, so I just used whatever I had because that's what a good chef does. Okay. Uh, The smoke point of olive oil and, like, oils in general is about 350 degrees. So if you're frying a bullet, it's not going to go off because the smoke point of oil is when it starts to... Evaporate, right? Like, it just starts to break down because it's too hot. So, no. No? You can't can't set a frying pan trap? No. Not if you're using olive oil. (laughs) Is there a material you can burn? I mean, you heat something up to 850 degrees and then toss a bullet at it. Here's, okay, here's a fun trick. If you want to, like, fry a piece of chicken, for example, and you want to make sure your oil is hot enough, put a single popcorn kernel on the oil, in the oil as you heat it up. And then when it gets to 350 degrees, the popcorn kernel will pop because it pops, like, between 325 to 350 degrees. And then you know your oil's hot enough, and then you put your chicken on there. So we could have laid a popcorn trap. <laughs> yeah, but they don't make the same sound. Also, the bullets wouldn't have flown anywhere because the reason that bullets fly out of guns is that there's no... They explode and there's a little puff of air. Okay, there's a big puff of air. Um, expanding mm-hmm. gases, and there's nowhere for that to go except pushing the bullet forward. Through the chamber. Through the chamber. as Hence projectile. Right. So it wouldn't shoot off. It would just go... Okay. Then <laughs> finally... Debunked. And finally, the iconic scene of Bruce Willis walking out of a spinning car to start shooting at Carl Urban instantly. It looks slick and cool and badass, but can a person actually do that? Um, let me think. The car's spinning, right? Yes. But Bruce Willis just like... He steps out of the car. He steps out and he's not spinning with the car. He and just the back goes end, forward. Yeah, the back end does not clip him. He manages to take a wide enough step that the back end just goes right behind him. Right. Okay. Aside from the back not hitting his ankle and destroying his legs, <laughs> which is what would happen if you or I tried this. <laughs> um, what he's doing is there's a, a law in physics called conservation of angular momentum, which means basically if something's spinning... You're spinning with it. You're spinning with it, and if you try to stop spinning, you're going to have to do a lot of work in, like, the physical sense. Like, you have to expend energy to change how fast you're spinning, and and actually not only how fast, but at what orientation. Mm -hmm. Uh, That doesn't matter so much here. So basically, if Bruce Willis is going to step out of the car and not continue to spin with it, He's doing a lot of work. Like, he has he has to have superhuman ankles because a spinning car is massive, and if it's going pretty fast, it's a lot of angular momentum. His ankles have to be made of titanium. Uh, yeah, something. like <laughs> To stop that, all that stuff. Yeah, it takes a lot of work. 
so red a lot of crazy action stunts that don't, don't matter they, uh, well they, I, they won't happen just don't don't even try it's not gonna not gonna turn out well for you yeah not a lot i'd like to try and create physics moments where to be praised i think there was a scene where he created an explosives out of all the things he found in a closet oh yeah that's legit yeah i once accidentally made mustard gas <laughs> i was i was not mustard gas oh chlorine elemental chlorine oh, gas God. Uh, when I was working as a groundskeeper at a softball complex here in town. So, yeah, you can create toxic materials it's, out of a janitorial closet. It's so easy. It's stupid. <laughs> okay. So good to know that that yeah. is totally legit. <laughs> it's it's stupidly easy to do that. Yeah. Um, moving on to Physics of the Losers, which had way more action st- – uh, well, about the same amount of action stunts, but I feel as if they kind of uh, – I mean – They were less choreographed. Yeah. <laughs> With action movies like this, you apply Newton's third law and like conservation of energy, momentum, and angular momentum, and you're like, okay, none of these are happening. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> oh, that's all right, though. Yeah, it's still whatever. fun to watch. Yeah. But can you shoot a gas tank to have it explode? Uh, Mythbusters did it. No. Okay. No? All no. right. Not unless your bullet also explodes. Not feel like you're shooting a grenade at it. Okay. You know, but like just a regular bullet, it'll like go through. If it punctures the gas tank at all, it'll just go through and then it'll leak out. Okay, because there was the very um, moment where Wade on his motorcycle is driving to intercept Idris Elba on the plane, and uh, Cougar snipes his gas tank and explodes the motorcycle and sends him flying into the plane's turbine. Oh, is the motorcycle running? Yes. Okay, so what you do, the the way I can justify this, although it probably wouldn't happen, um, is you shoot the gas tank, the gas station starts leaking, fumes from the gas go places and then the spark plug goes off and then you have a spark and you have gasoline fumes and then it explodes okay i can almost justify that and then he his way gets thrown into a a turbine it probably and that would cause the plane to explode oh if 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 you if you yeah toss a toss a motorcycle into a jet engine oh human body oh yeah toss toss like a a swan into a turbine (laughs) No, like this is a serious problem. Like, uh, air, air, airline pilots have to like watch out for flocks of birds because if they hit a goose and the goose goes into the engine, it can cause serious damage. Same with a human. Yeah. Oh, I suppose. Have you seen in the Incredibles? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like no the capes. ending of the Incredibles. Yeah. No capes. And then finally, the big thing about the losers is Snooks. So stupid. <laughs> <laughs> and Snooks are sonic or sound nuclear devices yeah uh god i loved how the comic book never touched on those they don't exist god so dumb the plot was much better in the book than it was in the movie of dealing with snooks i would hope so so Um, what a snook does is it's just this giant sound bomb that i can't think of any difference between it and a conventional explosive because they both operate on creating a shock wave that destroys things in its path. Yeah, the way they described it in the movie, though, is it was like this giant like sphere of sound that caused everything to like swirl up and then collapse in on itself. I mean, come on. <laughs> come on. No, that's not how sound works? No. No. <laughs> I give you cry if you... I'm so sad right now. Like, I'm legitimately... I'm... <sighs> I can't. No, snooks are just snooks way far are, off the radar. They're they're snooks are high as hell. 
There's oh come on. So why what happens what happens to sound? What happens to sound? What I mean is like why can't why don't snooks work? Just give me I even mean, at the basic level. Okay, so like the way it sounds like they work is that they create a really loud sound mm-hmm. and that creates some kind of I don't even know. I didn't watch this movie. I was busy cooking enchiladas. <laughs> I was like, this is kind of stupid. So, and it would just be no different from a regular bomb. It would just go boom. It would just go boom. It like, wouldn't cause a, a collapse in on a singularity. No. All right. No. You'd have to have some sort of gravity well or something. You'd have to have. Yeah, it'd have to be just really massive. But gra- gravity is a really weak force. Like that's <laughs> what people forget is that of the four fundamental forces, gravity is by far the weakest. So even a gravity bomb wouldn't work. Right. You'd, you'd be better off just, like, tossing an enormous magnet at people. <laughs> you know? Okay. Yeah. So uh, Losers, uh, not a whole lot of fun science. I'm trying to think of if Losers did anything really fun. Nope. It did nothing very fun. That's why it only uh, made $5 million <laughs> or something. Yeah. Yes, it did. Uh, so finally, moving on to any fun facts you guys got surrounding this film. Just kind of... What we already touched upon in that The Losers has a bunch of people in it who would later go on to be in really good things. Yeah. All right. Uh, Ooh, I know a fun fact. Warren Ellis, who wrote the comic book for, of course, Red, also wrote the comic book Iron Man Extremis, which was, of course, the baseline for Iron Man 3. Warren Ellis is a very prolific writer. He's Mm -hmm. he's very much in... He has a lot of really good comic books in the comic book community and a lot of comic books that maybe aren't the best, but he has a lot of his work is very, very good and very worth checking out. Um, I didn't manage to get around to special features in this film. It was <laughs> We're trying our best, listeners, but sometimes movies just aren't entertaining enough to look more into. There were no superheroes in this film, and they were two films that they were the exact the same, therefore we had to do a double feature on them. Otherwise, it'd be two boring episodes back-to-back. Yes. So Take we what you are. Can't have that. So we now we have a. Actually, s- we can't have that. That would probably kill our viewership. <laughs> <laughs> so now we have a mediocre episode, one and all. <laughs> Yay! Uh, You're medi- I'm fabulous. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So let's just move straight on to because of this movie, then, huh? Huh? Because of this movie, my life was not changed. These movies, I should say, my life was not changed in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> These movies did nothing. Because of this movie, nothing happened. (laughs) They did nothing. Fun fact, if you confuse either of these movies for lucky number 11, you're just going to be really sad. (laughs) You're going to drink like five beers and then play with your girlfriend's cat. (laughs) If you have a girlfriend at all. (laughs) Or Or a girlfriend's cat. (laughs) Or (laughs) Or beer. Because of this movie, Carl Urban is still an amazing action star. And... This was a lead-up to his premiere action film as Judge Dredd. Was better than either of these. Judge Dredd was? Yeah. Oh, good. Yay! We're, oh, we're talking about, like, the 2012 one? Dredd. Dredd. 3D. The one yeah. that starred Carl Urban. The one yeah. we talked okay. about. Not yeah. Sylvester not, Stallone. Not the really old one. Okay. Not Stallone. The one we've already done. Yeah, this was worse. Certainly The Losers was. Because of this movie, I don't think I've seen more than uh, so many old actors in a film. Except for the Expendables. Except for the Expendables. They weren't as old as, like, Morgan Freeman and Helen Mirren, were they? Eh, they're getting Are they up there. there. Expendables 2, then. 
<laughs> Chuck Norris is old. Oh yeah, he's like seventy. And Republican. <laughs> yeah. Extremely. Um, yeah, yeah. Any fun Bruce Willis stories from this uh, from the set of Red? No, he uh, usually causes trouble. He, uh, as far as I know, he was on his his not dickish behavior this time around. At least he didn't make headlines because of it. Okay, well, because this movie we got a a, a watchable relationship, I think, um, between Bruce Willis and Mary Louise Parker. Oh, because of this movie, Mary Louise Parker got something other than weeds, which is a good thing. Yes, since has done. I don't know, not so much. She was an RIPD. Oh, um, that's right. Um, <laughs> oh, oh, man. I'm going to let you think about what you just said. <laughs> well, it's not a good thing. She did get to kiss, uh, what's his face? Big Lebowski. Jeff Bridges. She, she got to lay a smackaroonie. <laughs> she got to <laughs> no. lay a, a uh, smackaroonie on Jeff John Bridges. Goodman. Yeah, the fat dude, John Goodman. <laughs> the entire cast of the You Big know what? Lebowski. I'm not Jesus. done with my thought. <laughs> not Jesus. The Jesus. I was done with thoughts a long time ago. Da Jesus. Da Jesus. Da Jesus. Like De Jesus. Oh, yeah. Because of this movie, we really just don't want to talk about it. <laughs> we want Dude's to talk about other movies. What? Oh, I, I'm still quoting Big Lebowski. Oh, I just realized something about myself. I think the Jeffrey Dean Morgan and Zoe Saldana thing is weird because of the age difference. But yet I have no trouble with Bruce Willis and Mary Louise Parker. Yeah, what do you, WTF. I'm s I just I guess Who's I have a stubble standard. Are, Am I what, racist? What are their ages? I have no clue. Okay, well whoever's older, take their age, divide it by two, add seven, and if the other is younger than that, then it's weird and creepy. <laughs> is that a Otherwise, park? yeah, you might be racist. <laughs> <laughs> is that a Parks and Rec reference? Uh or is that X, just a general rule? XKCD. XKCD? Yeah. It's a webcomic. Oh, okay. I talk about it all the time. Mm. Are we going to just take a quick moment to figure out the age differences? So Bruce Willis is 59. Mary Louise Parker is 50. Yeah. 46. Yeah, you're racist. Yeah? It's straight up. Zoe Saldana and Jeffrey Dean Morgan have a closer Oh, oh God. Oh, I don't know. That's I need what I was asking. Oh, that's that's, that's kind of comparison. important. So an eight-year difference. Yep. Zoe Saldana is 37. Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Oh, damn. Oh. <laughs> He's only 49. <laughs> so they were only like three years apart. <laughs> How old? What's the age difference? Like 12 years. Wait, what? Did you say 34? Zoe Saldana's like 37. Oh, I thought you said 47. No. Well, oh. it doesn't. The, the years apart doesn't matter. You take whoever's older, divide their age by two, and add seven. And then you compare that number to the younger person's age. If mm. the younger person is younger than that, then it's weird and creepy. Because as you get older, the, the range of ages where it's not creepy to date them grows bigger. All right. Okay. And after, sir, after like 50, it doesn't even matter. So, okay. Jeffrey D. Morgan is officially older than Zoe Saldana. Or their their divide is older than Bruce Willis and Mary Louise Parker. Yes. Why did, why did both films have such a giant age difference in their male and female leads? These why films were way too the, similar. Why is the guy way older? Yeah. Why is the thing the CIA trying to cover up always in South America in both films? Yeah, instead of in the Middle East, where it should be. <laughs> oh, hot <laughs> where, button topic. Yeah. Why do you have to move it to South America where it's like, oh, we don't care? But in the Middle East, that's actually like it's where it's happening. That's it's like politically safer. Like, like if you if you if you set a thing in the Middle East, you have to like 
be real careful about it so that you don't, don't get up your butt. Yeah. That's like kicking a dead drug mule. <laughs> Stop it. God. <laughs> Uh, I'm so glad we didn't talk about porn titles this entire episode. I couldn't think of a good one. Good. So we're done. <laughs> Before it comes to you. Yay. <laughs> Wait. All right, then. I think that's going to do it today. Superhero Movie Club is recorded and produced in the studios of KMSU in Mankato, Minnesota. If you want to tweet any questions to us or continue the discussion on this show's topic, follow us on Twitter at SuperheroMC. Make sure to subscribe on iTunes so that... You are ready for every episode as it comes out each week. Like us on Facebook to, like, keep up to date and stuff. Was that an impression of me? You gotta prep your impressions. You gotta, you gotta. Yeah, pick... you gotta tell us ahead of time, be like, okay, now I'm making fun of Michael. Next show's topic is. Oh, you're great. Thank you. And now I'm making fun of Kermit the Frog. Next show's topic is. X Men Origins Wolverine. <laughs> That'll do it today. I'm your host, Michael Maurer. And James Gatherhoutsma. Ben Anderson. And I hope you all have a super week. A singer in a smoky room A smell of wine and cheap perfume For a smile they can share